Welcome to Forward to the Future, a podcast of conversations on leadership and education administration. In our first season, we will be interviewing retiring superintendents who are members of LUDA, the Large Unit School District Association in Illinois. Our host is Dr. John Berkey, former teacher, principal, and superintendent. Dr. Berkey is currently the executive director of the Large Unit District Association of Illinois. And now, here is our show. Well, today I would like to welcome Dr. Susan Zola, who is the superintendent of the Champaign School District. And it's a, a school district very close to my heart because I have three degrees from the University of Illinois. And actually, in addition to that, did my student teaching uh, in the Champaign School District at Edison Middle School way back in the day. I won't even tell what year that was. But uh, actually, the great experience with Dr. Zola last year, she was taking me on a tour of the school district, and uh, we got to go back in Edison Middle School. So I got to see the school again uh, about 30 years uh, after I was there. So a uh, great school district and a great community. So with that, Dr. Zola, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you. It's great to be a part of a conversation with you as our LUTA leader, um, as you support all of us as we transition towards our next chapter. So you've been in Champaign for a long time, but this is actually your last year as superintendent. You're going to be retiring. And as part of our series this spring, we are talking about leadership with our retiring superintendents. So if you if you could, uh, Susan, take a moment and and uh, kind of lay out your career, where, where you started and, and what ended up making you want to be a superintendent. Right. So, um, 84, graduated from Eastern Illinois with a bachelor's um, in L.Ed., taught for a year in a Catholic school in the Chicago area on the north side. Um, came back to Champaign-Urbana, where I had done my student teaching and taught in Urbana schools, first grade, um, and um, also trained as a reading recovery teacher. So, probably as an educator, what I know best is how to teach students to read. Um, was really hoping for principalship in the area by the age of 35, so started applying. I was 28, applied in Champaign, didn't know much about the district, uh, was offered the job uh, in 91 as the principal of Dr. Howard, so went from being a first grade teacher to the principal of a Title I school-wide 500 students. Um, and the only administrator in 91. So uh, certainly quite a jump at the age of 28. Uh, stayed in that role for five years as an elementary principal. During the time, uh, transitioned in 96 over to a director of Title I Literacy. Um, we were transitioning on how we uh, did some of the work in the district around student assignment and just headed down the schools of choice. So was the first director of schools of choice. Um, moved into an assistant superintendent for curriculum. A new superintendent came into, and I was asked to go serve in a role of uh, middle school principal in 2002, and then was the principal of Jefferson Middle School from 2002 until 2012. Um, came back to serve as an assistant soup um, under Dr. Wigan, my, my uh, colleague who um, superintendent for five years. Um, and then uh, my husband, David, and I sort of had a conversation about, do I want to, to put my name in for the superintendency? Because I knew it would be sort of the way I would close out my career. Um, and I was, um, I, I think at the, at the end of the day, I wondered if I could serve in the role of superintendent. Uh, I had finished my superintendent endorsement at the U of I in 97 with my doctorate. So I'd been on the shelf for a bit. Um, and 
I think I really wondered if I would ever regret not putting my name in. And so I did. And four years uh, in this role as superintendent of Champaign Unit 4. Um, I'll close out 37 years of um, serving as an educator and open up a new chapter beginning July 1st. Well, what a what a great career. And I think in, in so many ways, you know, you mentioned that you started by teaching elementary literacy. And I think in so many ways, that is just the foundational bedrock of a unit school district is 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 how well we do with 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 literacy with early with early kids. So uh, no, that's great that you have that experience and very very good diverse uh, background that led you to lead a unit district. So with that, let me ask you: as you look back on this career that you just described, what are some leadership lessons that you've taken from this that you could impart to our our listeners uh, today? So, you know, we often hear, and I know even when I attended the Seeking the Superintendency about sort of the work-life balance and the self-care plan. Um, and I would say most the, the my colleagues in the superintendency, um, that's still a growth area. So I would say that the work-life balance um, is a real thing. And so as much as I know we think that um, our role is, and it is, and it feels 24-7 to superintendents, um, you know, one of my... Uh, hopes and wishes for others that are serving the role is to really take that work-life balance seriously um, because um, the more you can take care of you and be present to those that you care for, um, the, the more success I think you'll have in, in your leadership work. Um, so what I you, also, can I ask you, what do you do to get away? So when you, when you find that balance and you just need to even mentally uh, be able to disconnect for a short period of time, what, what do you find works for you? Mm -hmm. So it has been a growth area for me. So um, a couple years ago, so this is obviously my fourth year in this role. A couple years ago, I started uh, working out at, at our local Y um, and with a personal trainer just to create some more accountability. Um, mm -hmm. I have a, a pretty deep spiritual uh, sort of framework that I work from. So, um, you know, attending church um, and sort of being in a space where I can just sort of be quiet has also been good. Um, I also love nature. So whether it's biking, walking, hiking, you know, again, in central Illinois, right? What yep. that might look like. So anytime I can be outdoors, uh, I love to golf, love to play tennis. Um, started swimming a little more over the last couple of years when, when we could, right, at the Y. So um, an athlete at heart. Um, so anything like that, that I can sort of engage um, physically and get some more movement. Um, often just gives my mind a rest, um, which I think we all can benefit from. Well, de no, de definitely. And I think, I think that's great advice. And I think a lot of people, you know, all aspire to do that, but you just have to make the time for that. And, and that's always, I'm sure, uh, as you said, you've grown in that area. I'm sure that's what you struggled with is how do I make the time to, to be able to do that? So no, no, that's great. No, go ahead. Um, I, I, pretty obvious, right? But I think as leaders, we're always going to work from a place of integrity and ethical leadership. Um, I think it, it is one of the core principles. Um, and I think uh, my staff would tell you over and over again when they come with an idea or a question or, you know, is it legal? Um, is it ethical? Is it moral, right? It seems like a real basic premise, but um, I think we know of leaders who have struggled um, because they sort of fell off the, that really clear pathway of, of always doing the, the, the right thing, the ethical thing, the, the moral thing, the, the thing that bases our, you know, our decision making. And so 
um, because once you lose um, that that credibility and that you know as a as a leader that that works from a place of integrity it's really hard to ever sort of bring and gain that back um and so i would say that's that's just been sort of a bedrock of of kind of how i've lived life and certainly how i've led oh definitely yeah um i think the surrounding yourself it's this the next two sort of kind of go together so really surrounding yourself with good people matters. Um, and I mean that in that they bring diverse perspectives, they bring diverse life experiences, but they sort of work from that same intentionality, the same heart work. I think being school in, in any role within the school is about doing the heart, hard work and the heart work. And so sort of having those good people around you to kind of counsel, to count on, to, to, to share ideas, to help problem solve. Um, and sort of the, the other piece of that um, is really is really trying to build a bench for the next generation of leaders. Um, and I think that's probably an area that I've found a, a lot of success in, in that, um, you know, helping people see their potential in the, in the role that they're in, but maybe in their future. Um, and I know I've uh, spent some time in the last several years, even with just, um, especially some of the young women who are in assistant principal roles or principal roles and helping them see uh, pathways to district level or even superintendencies. So, you know, surrounding yourself with people who want to do the hard work and the heart work, um, and then sort of helping them see, you know, what their potential might be um, in future roles within the, the organization. Um, and I have one more. Um, and it really is this idea that when things are not going well, or um, when there's um, a reality that, you know, it didn't play out the way you would hope, you have to own that as the leader. Um, and when you have success, it's the team's, it's the team's celebration. <laughs> and that's just the reality of being a superintendent, is that when things are not going well, even if it's not yours to, it, you know, at the end of the day, you're the CEO, you're the person that people look to in a large organization. And so, you know, just taking that space and saying, we could have done better. Um, it didn't It didn't go as we, we had hoped. We should have over-communicated, whatever, whatever that space is. And when things do go well, it's everyone else's uh, glory and celebration. Um, and that's just sort of how it works in, in superintendency. So- no, I think, yeah, though, that's, no, that's a great piece of advice. And so, you know, work-life balance, surrounding yourself with good people that want to do the hard work and the heart work, helping them see sort of their potential because all of us sort of are time stamped in our work and, um, and the work will never be done, right, in the role of schools. And then knowing that at the end of the day, you sort of own those spaces that don't play out as well. And it's a shared celebration when they do. So let me ask you this. You mentioned um, how important uh, having good talent is and how important growing leaders is and you've had success in that what how do you find uh the right people what do you look for when you're hiring people to know that they may have that potential to be that great leader mm -hmm. so i think a lot of it and i guess i think of my own career a lot of it's the decisions that you make sort of along the way right and so um when we when when individuals are sort of coming into the space, you know, it's it's always interesting to know sort of what their um, what their goals, aspirations, ideals are for what their vision is, 
how they've sort of gotten to this point, whether it's a young new director or somebody that wants to, to be, you know, just moving into administration. I met with a, a, a teacher who's kind of mid-career who's thinking about administration. Um, and so, you know, it, being a, an administrator in a school district isn't for everyone. You know, there's something to be said as a superintendent from how far away I am now from students to, to when even as a building principal, right? So sort of having a sense of, of their why you know, when they're in that conversation with you, sort of what they see their vision for and their service mindset. Um, and then what are pathways to sort of help them match up sort of where they see themselves. Um, and, you know, we've all had those conversations uh, with young with young professionals, sort of where do you see yourself in five years and in 10 years. And, and I think part of the way we build their capacity is by sharing our own experiences. So I'm very comfortable um, as I mentor young um, administrators, with talking about how I get how I make the decisions and and the and the and the spaces in which I haven't, you know, sort of you know, there's always reflection, right? So how where are those spaces where the work has not played out as I would have and what I would have done differently? So I'm a big fan of even after a board meeting, I was talking to a couple members of my cabinet. If I could have done that over, here are two places where I would have. Um, pivoted a little differently. Mm -hmm. And so I think just being able to talk about the leadership and the lessons as they unfold sort of helps individuals see um, this is a space that I too could serve in, or for a lot of times it's, that might be, not be the right match and that's okay too. Oh, de no, definitely. No, thank you. Thank you for that. And I've always found that, you know, sometimes people see leadership ability in themselves, but sometimes they don't and they need somebody to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, did you ever think about this? And so I think, uh, you know, that, that that's such an important thing. Um, let me ask you about when you look back on your career in, in administration, what is one of the really most challenging situations that stands out to you and how, how did you deal with it and how did your leadership skills help you get through that? Mm -hmm. um, I can think of several examples, but I think um, I think anytime you're working through personnel matters that are um, very public personnel matters, um, I think those are challenging. And I think it's challenging because at the end of the day, you probably you and maybe unfortunately your attorneys are really the only two groups that have all the information and have all the truth. And so um, and, and more often than not, you can't share all of the truths of, of whatever that is. And so again, it goes back to that integrity and that sort of working from a, a place of honesty and respect, even when you're dealing with difficult um, personnel matters and making sure you're treating all individuals um, with the care and compassion that you can, even when you're doing the hard, making hard decisions around that. So um, I think for me, anytime you're working in a community our size, most in it, most individuals know those who serve in roles of leadership, and um, there's a lot of connectedness across those spaces, and so just trying to always be as thoughtful as you can, um, um, but also then having you know when it when you have to do the hard work um, because it's the right thing to do that you can do it in a way that is um, respectful of all the individuals that are involved. Well, I think you hit on something really important when you said you know, you're often having to make personnel decisions when you have information that the public doesn't. And you and certainly your board would know things where 
um, the public, of course, sometimes thinks they know all the details, but they 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 don't. And yet, you're absolutely right. As a, as a as a leader of the organization, you have to push forward with the information you have and do the right do the right thing. Um, speaking of doing the right thing, one of the one of the things that we really um, have been focused on more, thankfully, as schools is equity and diversity. Uh, it's an issue that has always been there, but it hasn't always gotten the focus that it should. And um, I, I think we're becoming much more cognizant of that, not just in schools that have very diverse populations, but in all schools. What What is some advice you can give us from your experiences in Champaign about how uh, the leader of the organization can help best move an organization forward in that way? So I think it always starts with your own personal growth around the topic. And so for me, um, you know, it's an area, and again, it's like a lot of our work, we're ne we never arrive, we're never finished. So just being willing to explore your own personal um, sort of um, life experience and background and sort of uh, you know, what are the, the biases that, that I hold as a leader um, and, and continuing to sort of grow my own personal capacity. Then I think you look at the, the people that you surround yourself with. So in my case, the cabinet. And so um, what, are, what are the things that we wanna share and grow collectively? Um, and then of course, the building, those who serve in leadership. So 110 administrators in the district. And, um, and then, you know, so it just sort of works from individual to, those who serve in leadership then to the larger organization. And I think it's like a lot of work. It is slow, it is laborious, it is intense, um, and it is long-term commitment to the, to the, to the conversations um, and creating safe spaces and creating a awareness that this is a shared journey and it is a marathon as we all acknowledge our own upbringings, our own experiences. Um, and yet, um, in, in the case of our, of our district, um, how can we create more equitable outcomes for all the 10,000 students that we serve? Yeah, no, definitely. And it's, it's very important work. And your point about it, it, it's work that's never done. We need to continue to grow. And, and that is so, so, so important. So I asked you a few minutes ago about a challenging situation you dealt with in your career. And you, you know, talked about the personnel issues. Let me flip that question around and ask you, when you look back on your 37-year career, what is something that really stands out that you are really proud of? Something you either accomplished or, or you were involved with your team that you were able to, uh, to do? Um, boy, there's a lot that I feel really, um, I guess, um, you know, in, in right in front of me right now is 266 million in uh, construction. So we have literally transformed the face of the district um, in the last four years. We are finishing up both high schools. So we'll have brand new 21st century comprehensive high schools in Central and Centennial. We took down the uh, 1908 Dr. Howard that I was a principal at that had nine levels and was never accessible and built a brand new 17.1 million. We redid um, Southside Elementary uh, at a 13 million. Uh, Edison, your alma mater, if you will, as a student teacher is gonna finish up with about a $26 million renovation in its current location. We redid the uh, baseball field at Spalding, 
finishing up tennis courts there. We redid McKinley's um, track and field for Central, um, Tommy Stewart football field. Um, it's just been an interesting journey. I remember taking the superintendent endorsement test and there were these questions about construction. And of course, we didn't have any construction going on in the 90s in, in our area. And I thought, when would I ever need to know this? <laughs> and 266 million later, we have transformed uh, the look of learning opportunities for our students. It's just, uh, it's breathtaking when you walk through and tour these facilities and you see the culinary arts and you see the, the CTE and the well, the 18 gorgeous welding booths that you're just, you're just, you just know that the, um, the opportunities for students for the next 50, 60, 70 years are, are beyond anything we can even comprehend in, in knowing that students are gonna have whatever pathway they're interested in or oncology and career, we can offer it them in a way that we've never been able to before. So I'm super excited and proud that, and hope, hopefully soon people will be able to see the fruits of the, of the, the labor um, and all the decisions that, that you know we made in spaces that people will probably never appreciate the decision-making on the fence or adding that featured wall. Um, but at the end of the day, it's gonna pay off for our community and for our families and students. Well, that's a great legacy when you uh, are able to accomplish something that's going to live so far into the future for kids that, you know, many kids that aren't even born yet. So that's a, you know, that's a great accomplishment. So, well, thank you. And I want to uh, end, end this podcast as we do all of them with a quote from a, a, a leader that uh, is a leadership quote. And today's quote is going to be from Maya Angelou, who is um, an American poet and civil rights activist. Most people uh, know who she was. And uh, her quote that we're going to do today is, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think that quote so fits into a lot of the things that you talked about uh, today in your your leadership. So uh, Dr. Zola, Susan, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today and, and talking about your extraordinary uh, career and leadership. And we wish you the best as you uh, move out of the superintendency, but I'm sure into uh, other endeavors where uh, we will see you in the future. Yeah. Thank you, John. I appreciate the opportunity.